0: This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's speak to our guests. It's Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham and Trader Nick in the United States. Good afternoon, guys.
1: Good afternoon,
2: everyone. Hey, Johnny.
0: Let's start with your side of the Atlantic, Nick. And of course, today we've seen the latest US GDP figures. What did they tell the markets?
2: Yeah, so we got uh, preliminary GDP. And for uh, newer listeners... GDP numbers come out in the 3 get the advanced, the preliminary, and then the final number. So today we got the, the midway point, the preliminary GDP. It came out 3.2% compared to forecasts of 3.3%, which of course were the advanced GDP numbers. So a slight miss here on that front. If we take a quick look at the dollar index, I've got it pulled up while we're speaking. Dollar index is down slightly here, but uh, just about flat on the day overall. At the time of recording this, um, so not a huge impact there. It's been relatively quiet here this week. Prior to GDP numbers um, this morning, yesterday we kind of had a round of data that was somewhat interesting. You had durable goods, which were a bit disappointing out of the United States, as well as consumer confidence, which you know, While this week is kind of gearing up mostly for that PCE figure we get tomorrow, consumer confidence is still a useful one to look at. The thought process here is, of course, if you ask a bunch of people what their confidence is looking like going forward about their personal expenses and uh, what they see for the future, that is in some ways a lead indicator. And that's why... You know, it's a red folder on most uh, websites. So consumer confidence came out. It was sort of disappointing that combined with durable goods and today also with preliminary GDP slightly missing to the downside, you've got a little bit of softer US data. And this kind of comes in line with where markets are um, positioned. Right now, the market kind of sees interest rate cuts. We can see this from the Fed Watch tool, which we've talked about many times on the show here, We've talked about um, forecasts for interest rate cuts somewhere around the uh, mid-summer months into the end of the year, and um, this is what we're we're kind of this is in line with expectations to start seeing some soft reads for the week at least. Core PCE, that is the preferred inflationary measurement from the Fed. So we get that tomorrow. If we see some softening inflation data, um, at least relative to expectations, that could kind of continue to fulfill the narrative, but. It is worth mentioning CPI and PPI were both hotter than expected. Will we see a repeat process here with the core PCE number tomorrow? That's where markets are really um coiled for this week, I would say. And that goes from everything from from currencies to um commodities, despite the the move higher in in oil, uh most things are relatively muted here this week. You have indices um uh, just trading sideways, really not really able to to pick a strong direction. Whether you're looking at the Nasdaq, the Dow, or the um, the S and P, uh, gold is is uh, back and forth here, and then again on the currency front. The only one I really see moving with some decision is the dollar against the Japanese yen, at least of the major currencies. So um, I don't know. I'm curious. With with all that to come, Craig, we, we did get some interesting moves out of the New Zealand dollar. We had uh, the RBNZ. Um, put out something. What happened there? And and uh, is there anything else you want to add to that PCE concept I was just talking about? Is that is that really what markets are just waiting for this week? Yeah, I was going to
1: say, I mean, you've rightly said that the markets have been a little bit maybe less eventful, not just this week, probably last week as well. We have been waiting for these big decisions, these big data points, and there's so much to come in March. Like We can't really understate how important March feels as a month for this year. <laughs> and the overall tone the outliers today are the australian dollar and the new zealand dollar and that's because of what you've just alluded to with the rbnz overnight coming across quite dovish going into this there was some scope that we could see a rate hike again from the rbnz that this could be one of the very few central banks that actually considers restarting its tightening cycle but it actually came out with quite a dovish pause i think the most alarming element of that was it actually lowered its forecast cash rate peak to 5.6% from 5.7%. So effectively saying we no longer think interest rates are going to rise again. And that really caught markets off guard. So now markets are pricing in a very low chance of another rate hike much lower than what we were seeing before and actually quite a significant chance of a rate cut before the end of the year, which again, it wasn't pricing in before. So that means the New Zealand dollar is actually trading 1.4% down on the day against the US dollar and the Australian dollars followed it because, I mean, the the economies are quite aligned. They are facing different challenges, one of which obviously was the intensity of the lockdowns faced in New Zealand uh, during the COVID pandemic and the knock-on effects that that's continued to have uh, on the economy and on inflationary pressures within the economy. Economy, but they are still relatively aligned. So the Australian dollar is still down around 0.8% today. So that, that's kind of two outliers here. But as you say, I think there is just still a focus going forward on the big events to come, and I think the US PC tomorrow is the next big one. It's always worth noting that the CPI data is released two weeks before uh, uh, for the same month. And while the PC is the Fed's preferred, preferred measure of inflation, the CPI tends to give you a good directional uh, indication uh, for where the PCE will probably go. Uh, and therefore can be more impactful as far as markets are concerned. But there are differences between the two measures. There are some subtle differences, and therefore I do still think this could be quite impactful, especially when you consider how much markets have pushed back expectations for interest rate cuts from the Fed and others over the course of the last month or so. Remember, it wasn't long ago, mid-January, that markets were pricing in 175 basis points of rate cuts from the Federal Reserve this year, starting in March. Now, that's been scaled significantly back with the markets pricing in that first rate cut now around June time, uh, maybe even a little bit later, maybe even looking more uh, towards kind of July and, uh, and around uh, 75 to 100 basis points in total. So that's been scaled back dramatically. Some inflation data more aligned uh, to uh, what the Fed wants to see could really cause a stir in the markets.
0: Finally, guys, I wanted to ask you both about uh, Bitcoin, which rose again today as much as uh, 7%. That's nearly 20% up on the week. It's obviously gone through that uh, important 60,000 mark. Are all indications set for a further rise as we go through the next few days?
2: I think that when it comes to... Bitcoin. We've covered Bitcoin in the past when it has these big flare-ups. We of course have to kind of discuss it, and um, you know sometimes it comes and it goes. But I would argue, and and by no means am I some sort of ultra bull when it comes to cryptocurrencies have a very, very strong crowd sentiment to them. They don't have the same kind of uh, um, you know kind of fundamentals that we discuss with like for example, a company or for an economy with representing through their, their currency right. So you have something different here and, and we've made this point before. but oftentimes when these things start to run, traditional overbought or oversold kind of um, metrics, can oftentimes just go right out the window. If you put any sort of oscillator, any sort of overbought idea here on this chart, um, it has been blown out of the water. And in my view, um, you stay away from these sorts of things if you're trying to, to go against them at that time like this. Of course, it's my opinion, and I could be totally wrong. We could be nearing the, the total tops of this. But one thing that you mentioned, we crossed that 60,000 mark, That's a very psychologically key level, Um, and we're just a few thousand dollars off from the all-time highs. So, you know, all-time highs get people get people nervous. But as we talked about with stock indices, um, all-time high breakouts historically are actually a bullish signal. I wonder if it's similar with crypto. Um, You know, all-time highs. If you get the S and P five hundred or the Dow breaking through its all-time highs historically speaking, it's not a guarantee, but it is uh, historically a pretty good bullish signal for the coming year. So I wonder if there's a similar story to be had here on the cryptocurrency mark. Of course, we're still shy of those all-time highs, but if we do break them, is that a bigger signal that cryptocurrency has kind of made its way into the market? I mean, another thing that we've discussed recently and covered on the show has been the ETFs, right, that have come to the table. And there's been a lot of mixed sentiment as to whether or not ETFs uh, offering, you know, Investors the the easier access to cryptocurrency if that's a bullish or bearish thing, um, some people would argue it's bearish because it's you know kind of defeating the. Um, you know not centralized idea uh but uh, other people and I would find myself more aligned with this would say that etfs and accessibility perhaps for 401k's and for investment managers to to potentially pick up some of this stuff into their portfolios is a is a potential bullish catalyst but will be very interesting to see as we get closer and closer to those all time highs what happens Greg, is there anything I missed? I mean, really, it doesn't seem like there's a, a key one pointed um, you know, indicator as to why this move is happening. Perhaps it's just a bit of FOMO. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to something like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as a whole, momentum has been so key historically. And if you think of the rally, which you kind of look back to early February. We had a very strong move. We had some consolidation. And I don't think there's been a particular catalyst following this. I, people may point to ETFs. Surely that's priced in by now. People can point to the Bitcoin halving event in April. I tend to think that surely that's priced in too, because it's not like this is a surprise. We know exactly what's going to happen. We know pretty much when it's going to happen, and we know what the knock-on effect is going to be. If this is only being priced in now, it doesn't fit. It feels like a bit of a dysfunctional market. So I do think momentum, hype, and maybe just exposure and excitement, it, it does tend to play a big role in This. Whether it can continue, I mean, like I say, the momentum's there. Then the other flip side of this, without meaning to kind of sit myself on the fence here, is this is Bitcoin and it's crypto. It can rise rapidly and it can fall rapidly. And you tend to get a few signals that one or the other is going to come. It can come out of nowhere and it can surprise everyone. As you've just alluded to, we're near record highs. Does that mean we're going to see a surge beyond the record highs and a flurry of excitement or are people going to take some profit at these record highs and we're going to see a dip? Honestly, I think you could toss a coin. Um, and again, I, I sound like I'm sitting on the fence, but when you're talking about something like this where there's, I wouldn't say not necessarily no rhyme or reason behind the moves, but at the same time, you, you could argue that what we're seeing right now is very speculative. You kind of have to take that into consideration when you're forming a viewpoint on this. And like I say, there's plenty of momentum, but we've seen before that that doesn't always last.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Craig, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. It's it's hard to really make a, a serious opinion on this from our stance because, you know, our traditional ways of of discussing this stuff, our our entire careers are surrounded by kind of looking at data, looking at economic figures, um, tangible things that we can kind of understand. Whereas cryptocurrency is this like air concept that seems to keep going. I would say though, while I'm not totally convinced one way or the other. One thing that has been really impressive about the cryptocurrency state is that it hasn't gone away. So it's been around for some time and maybe just its lack of demise is a bull case as well. Like why hasn't it gone to zero yet? You know, maybe it just existing this long and every day that rolls past that it's not, you know, dead in the water is potentially a a more bullish case. It's being adopted further and further.
0: Very interesting indeed. Nick in the United States and Craig in London, thanks for joining us. And we'll speak to you again on Friday.
2: Thanks, Johnny. Thanks a lot.
0: Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.